foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. It's the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hemmett, that's me, joins biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. What's up today? Mailbag. Mailbag. It's, ma- it's like a super mailbag day, right? We're, we're cleaning out the mailbag, so to speak. It's a mega, mega mailbag. It's mega, 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 mega mailbag. <laughs> it's the mailbag. We are it's cleaning kind of out like, the mailbag. Why are you? Are you in? Are you in cleaning mode? Like I, I always clean at the end of a season. So I, and I always seem to live my life six weeks ahead of the regular season. So as far as I'm concerned, like fall <laughs> is here. You know, so I'm like doing my my fall purge, if you will. So I feel like this is right on. Like we're right on par with. Everything else that I'm doing, I so think it feels good. It's timely. Every every year before school started, I would just r- go into my room with a giant garbage bag and clear everything out with no prompting from the parental units, and they just kind of stand there and shake their head, like, "Why is she doing that?" But I just felt like, yeah, like fall was mm-hmm. the time for cleaning. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Just well, because don't critters do that too? You know, I, I have no. They idea. like kick the poop and feathers out of their nests so that they can hunker down into their dens or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a <laughs> prepping of a den. There's so much that we don't even know about, like this human am- animal behavior. So it's kind of cool just to think. It definitely has to do with making my space cozier 
and also less aggravating to I me. I think functional, I yeah, definitely. Yeah, like it's calming. I feel it. I feel it to be calming. So get rid of get rid of all the fluff from that's been dragged into the summer. Right. Well, this kind of what we're doing today isn't really fluff, but we just we have to kind of streamline. So Katie and I have been talking. No, yeah. we haven't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, we have. Because we had a little break this summer and it was lovely and we're getting all sorts of other stuff done. But we get a lot of mailbag questions, like a lot, a lot. How, how many come in on the website, would you say, a month? It averages about 30 a month. Sometimes it's much more than that, sometimes less. So I'd say about, you know, just put in one a day. And we had planned, we were starting to do those little movement mailbag shows to to cover those. But man, we just could not keep up no it's another way of cleaning it out right we just i think we tried something we're like oh that doesn't actually it Mm -hmm. turns out we like we have time to fit two a month in and one of the things i don't actually see all the questions danny danny is either responding online and directing people to resources that maybe they don't know exist because some people only listen to the podcast they don't even know that there's other stuff maybe right because i listen to podcasts so I would say that of the ones that I have seen, a lot of the questions tend to be about one person's individual journey, right? You know, like they're mm-hmm. they're just like, I this part hurts right here. What do I do? You know, so we'll talk about what to do if that's your question. So this is like the romper room. Just because you don't hear your question doesn't mean you don't exist. Yes. We and, see and you. We see th- all of you. <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking about you. We see you. And this... This podcast is designed to kind of help steer you. This may not be your question we read, but you're going to understand where or how to find the answers, hopefully, once we're done. So I sent you pages and pages and pages of questions. So many. (laughs) I was so overwhelmed and I just dumped them in her lap and said, "Eh, you decide. (laughs) And so she sent me back pages and pages and pages, but... We're not going to be able to do them all, but I have to know, how did you choose these? <laughs> how did how'd you call these questions? Well, so anything that was related, anything that was really just one person's long particular journey that was like the answer was really like, well, there's a whole book on that. Go get that book, you know, type thing. I, I cut those out because we are going to direct you. If those are your types of questions, I would say right now, if you're if you're wondering what to do about your shoulder or your elbow or your hip or your knee or your kid's knee or hip or whatever, that the best thing that you can do is go to the blog that has been <laughs> accumulating for 10 years and get familiar with the topics on those particular areas. And then also there's one particular page that you can find on the store page, the shop page. So it's nutritious movement slash shop. Go to the bottom left and there's like a square that says search by body part. And that it's actually, do you want to search by body part? And then there's a little write up kind of, and you can link to it in the show notes. I will do Which that. is just to explain again how every part issue could really be thought of as a whole body issue and that I don't have a lot of part by part products because I don't really, I don't think a part by part approach is the ultimate, like most, it's most efficient use of your time. So anyway, you can read that or you could just go to the blog 
put in your issue, try a couple different, try seven to eight different word combinations, single words, and then read the posts that come up and go from there. And have fun, and then, down, have fun down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And then for all the other questions, I picked the questions that I just thought were interesting, or maybe I've gotten so many times. I was like, this would be a nice place to answer them. Or I felt like they were questions that even if the question for those people who really don't have questions as much as they're just looking for understanding, could see how maybe something clarified in a different podcast or or in a book can be applied to these different situations. Even if I don't outline one particular problem explicitly, that you have enough information if you're well-versed in the material to, like that the material is implicit in the answer, but that you're going to have to work for it a little bit. So it's like a mental training session as well. So that's how I picked. Okay. That's, that's helpful. And then I'm just going to, we'll do as many as we can before okay. our time runs out and we have to, and I'll try to be stuff. as concise. I'll try to be concise. You okay. know what I mean? I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. I'm gonna hold you to it. Is this going to be like the whole book thing. Okay. Here's the first one. Ready, ready. Hmm. Is engaging one's abdominals the same thing as sucking it in? If not, no. Okay. <laughs> so I was so, so. If there's a multiple part, maybe just like throw them out, and I can answer them. Okay. Could you explain the difference and maybe give us a movement example that would illustrate or embody that difference? Thank you, Rebecca. Well, suck your stomach in. I mean, okay. You can do it yourself, right? You know what sucking your stomach in is, but the sucking of your stomach is not, it doesn't initiate with the abdomen as much as it initiates with the diaphragm, right? You're creating a vacuum. Mm. So if so, one, if you would like to understand this in more detail, you can find all this information in diastasis recti, where it explains the difference between the two, anything related to the core, right? So, mm-hmm. so you're, you are creating a vacuum by by lifting the diaphragm up, right? So it's like a uh, it's like a plunger almost. After you think of a toilet plunger, after you plunge the toilet down, when you pull it back up, it it sucks everything up. So that diaphragm is is the upward motion of a plunger, and then it pulls the organs up, and then the organs are going to move the abdominal wall, and then anything is on the front of the abdominal wall in towards the spine you're you're seeing an inward motion what you don't see is the upward motion as well and then what was the first one she asked oh is it engaging your okay. abs the same thing as sucking okay. in okay so uh, uh, engaging your abs is again is a huge category there are many different things that would qualify as engaging your abdomen but most basically you wouldn't necessarily see an emg increase from sucking in your abdominals compared to them innervating based on a mechanical load that you're responding to. So any any other type of exercise or or movement where you are using your core for strength, that would be different than what is happening when you're sucking your stomach in. Thank you. Welcome. Next question from Mark. I practice the pelvic list and I practice going upstairs and it's going well. Now, how do I go downstairs? Please help. This guy's poor guy's been upstairs since he Mark's like, I can't come down. Please answer it so he can get down. Well, Mark, I hope your computer's upstairs because I have done a video on this on my YouTube channel. And we can link to it in the show notes and it's downhill gate. So I'm just going to take my words there to refer you to that because Mm -hmm. I think the technical breakdown would make 
less sense. It's essentially the, you've got the downward part of the pelvic list as well as also shifting your hips laterally. You're basically emulating a horse going downhill where the pelvis is swinging side to side as you go down to basically slalom, right? Going down is essentially you're falling down. You're slowing, you're keeping yourself from falling when you go down, which is different when you're going up, which is you're lifting your mass uphill. As you go down, you're just preventing it from going faster and faster. So it's more like brakes. You're putting on the brakes. But if anyone's ever skied before bombing the hill straight down, you're going to get a lot more speed and therefore require a lot more braking. And keep in mind that the braking that's happening is usually going to be in your quads, which is why your knees kill you when you go down because you're just Mm -hmm. gripping with the quads the whole entire time. So one way to dissipate that, that work share it over more body parts is to, instead of bombing straight down the hill, you slalom, right? Is that the right word? When you kind of go to the right and you go yeah, to the left yeah. and you go to the right and you go to the left. But I don't want you to take your whole body and actually step to the right and step to the left, because in that case, you're still heading straight down. You, your center of mass is in your pelvis. So you're penduluming, 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 your pelvis to the right and left, which is, again, it's going to be a pelvic list action, meaning the more mobile you are through the hips, the more you're able to swallow them as you go down. Mm-hmm. And then go check out the video on we'll that. link to that. That's a good video, if you too. Are, if you don't have your computer upstairs, call a friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we need to get you downstairs, man. We need to get you downstairs. Maybe. Go out the window. Climb down and yeah. take and figure You've out You've probably exhausted that mini bar a long time ago. Cause I don't <laughs> know when that question was from. Because everyone has a mini bar and they're upstairs. <laughs> they don't? <laughs> you're, so, you're, such, you're so bourgeoisie. I know. That's me okay. all over. Okay. This is from, oh, this is a good one. This is from Rachel. This is about breast implants. I have noticed quite a few women with breast implants placed under the muscle complaining of upper back problems and postural issues. What impact does shoving an implant under the pectoralis muscle have on the rest of the body? Wow. I don't think that's the first one of those we got. (laughs) Well, I mean, it obviously impacts it. Right. I mean, because you're moving tissues around. How does it impact it? I don't know. And... No one has really investigated that, especially because not. there's a, a greater incidence of things like frozen shoulder with with breast surgery. My, the reason I chose this exercise, uh, this question was, isn't it interesting that there is no research on that? Mm-hmm. Meaning like that or when you're that, you know, when we're, we're trying to weigh the cost benefit of things that there's not very much research on cost. Wow. So you're the. The ease, you know, if you make a decision, even with all available data, doesn't necessarily mean that you're making a balanced decision when there hasn't been hard, any almost any investigation into cost, whole body cost, long-term cost. So I think you can apply that to many different choices. It's a thoughtful answer. Thank you. Okay, next question. This is from Lindsay. There's a little bit of a preamble here. Katie, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on high-impact exercise. Don't go yet. I've incorporated many elements of all your books into my lifestyle, and movement is incorporated throughout my day as best I can. However, in this modern world, I simply can't achieve what our ancestors did movement-wise in the course of my day, and I think my body needs more. I don't always have a large enough chunk of time for a five-mile walk, but I might be able to squeeze in a three-mile run. So, what's worse? always falling short of what I consider required movement nutrition or what I've come to perceive as the evils of high-impact exercise. And there were air quotes around evils there. 
Well, and high impact might not be the best word okay. there. I think intensity might might be the, what she was... Wanting to say. Wanting to say. Because okay. I don't think necessarily pounding your body harder is of benefit. Where intensity, you could certainly make an argument where intensity okay. is the piece. So I, again, <laughs> I, I would probably need to have that question in front of me to see all the pieces of it. I definitely think that not only are we not getting enough total movement, we're also not getting enough intensity. I just don't, the way that we get intensity is always through a soul method, right? So if you think, how can I get more intensity? Chances are you're going to go for the same thing over and over and over and over again, because it's familiar to you where if you had a rope in your backyard, you know, hanging from a tree and I'm just just looking in my own backyard. It could be it could be many different other things. If you took those 20 minutes that it would take you to run three miles, right? You could probably bust out. I used to run 30. I used to be able to run a 5K in 20 minutes. Okay. Which is a little over three 21 miles, minutes, yeah. actually. It was like 21 minutes, right? So, I mean, that's actually if you're a fast runner. But say you've got 24 minutes, like, do you, do you invest it in a run or do you invest it in a walk? And I think that... The easiest answer for a lifestyle that's unable to change is you just take turns. Mm. You just don't always do the same thing. And that way you're, you know, meeting your vitamin intensity mm-hmm. and your macro nutrients of walking and, and different things. So just Mix just play around with it a little bit. Yeah. Or take your walk and push it up some serious hills. You know what I mean? And in mm. which case you get both. You're getting slower extensions, you know, and you're you're not using so much explosion where the actual force production is less, but you are getting your intensity at the same time. So maybe yeah. that's a third option. Maybe you can walk some, run some, and then walk up some hills or down some hills. So that that would be my answer. Okie dokie. That's a good one. All right, this is from Deb, and Deb says, I've been transitioning to minimal footwear and working with the exercises for feet and legs. Must be from the book. I'm watching my curled up toes uncurl and gain movement, and it's so cool. But my issue is, when I do the external rotation of the femur, I get a pain behind my knee. It doesn't hurt when I walk, but it makes bending and getting up and down off the ground painful. I can even see that I have a slight external rotation of my tibia that I never noticed before. What's the remedy? Am I just not ready for external rotation yet? Thank you. Well, you, you could not be ready for external rotation or external rotation to the degree that you're doing it or the way that you're doing it is straining your knees. So when people talk about, and I don't know, see, I don't know if people are doing a few exercises from the blog, if they're working from any one particular book. So I would say that the The issue that she's talking about is probably um, most explained or explained the most deeply in whole body barefoot where you've got the neutral knee pits and also the difference, the difference between lower leg rotation. So she's saying she's noticing she has external rotation and that would be really hard to separate from tibial torsion, which is a turnout in the lower leg in the bone itself, which is different than just external rotation of the lower leg. So she doesn't know the difference between those two things, whole body barefoot. There's a whole section on it. You could just externally rotate less. So I guess I'm just more confused where the external rotation, is it hurting when you're doing it? In which case, just 
do it differently, do it less. But now, but she's also saying that it's she's feeling the pain from external rotation when she's getting up and getting down. Right. So I don't know. Are you trying to externally rotate as you're getting up and getting down? Because I wouldn't recommend that. It's more of like a static practice exercise where you're, you're basically just putting yourself in um, traction. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a period of being in traction, in which case don't worry about it as you get up and get down. Or are you turning your thigh to change your foot or knee position, in which case just do it to a less extreme. So I would need a little bit more information, but hopefully you can go find out some more details if you haven't yet checked out that resource. Okay. Whole body barefoot. Okay. No, this is really, I love this one because, you know, I think <laughs> I know the answer, but I just, I, I, I love that she asked this. This is from Sabrina. She writes, until I started listening to your podcasts and reading Move Your DNA, I never realized I was a rib thruster or that I stand with my toes pointed out so frequently. I am working on correcting myself throughout the day, but I've been curious where these behaviors come from. Why do you think so many of us stand like that now? (laughs) Oh, I think it's just a a compound issue of a portion of it is observation, right? You pick up your your postural gait patterns, mimicking those who are around you, right? So that can be transferred that way. Then you also are, are picking up movement patterns from the previous generations, which are very low, right? So they're kind of the deep, they're kind of a passive, natural organization of the body, when it has adapted to the the way we execute sedentary living, so it's it is the it's really the most efficient position of your body given your habits, which is usually a positive heel, lots of sitting, infrequent walking, and a lot of flexion, a lot of like a lot of um, bucket style type seats. So it's. It's just that, I mean, which is everything, right? It's just the sum total mm-hmm. of many different things. And, you know, you want to, we want to parse them, I would say, in, in research, you're trying to figure out like, well, which one is it exactly? But the fact of the matter is everything is just a result right. of e- everything. So how much of it is in your brain of like, oh, I'm supposed to stand like that. And people will say, you know, gosh, when I'm trying to put my ribs down, I hear my parents' voice. Okay, well, now you maybe have a little bit of an insight where, Maybe you hear that correction all the time and you're lifting not because of an adaptation to your chair as much as because you were told to so many times. It's kind of in your most deep recesses of things you know to be true that you're constantly referring everything back to. Well, and when she asked why so many of us do that, I think in your first, the first foot book, and, and now it's Simple Steps to Foot Pain Relief, you do refer to ballet you know, that, that Western European influence of ballet in the military stance as well. Well, everyone, I mean, every, cultures definitely have a unique postures. They've done different data collection on, you know, there are, there are proud, you know, there's pride and there's humble and there's, there's all these different ways we communicate with our, our body. And it would be a, a much deeper perception, like all animals right? Communicate Mm -hmm. with their body. And we're doing the same thing. We might just not be tuned into to that we're communicating a message that came from a long time ago. Sometimes turnout, like she's noticing turnout. Some people will be like, I never thought of turnout, but then I'll also be working with 
ballerinas or my own family, right, who's from a military background, where these are trained postures, right? These are, someone actually said explicitly, turn your feet out and put your heels Mm -hmm. together, lift your chest up, tuck your tailbone, right? So then, so everyone's going to have a different reason that it, you know, went through and came out the other side. And then there's a lot of things, you know, people are talking constantly. If you, you could probably figure out that you have you have been given geometrical cues directly, explicitly, and you probably give them to your kids without realizing. Oh, yeah. Well, and how you do the detective thing in the footbooks. Sure. You know, look at old sure. pictures. I have a relative that adopted a little boy from Russia and from like he was maybe eight months old when they adopted him. So he wasn't walking yet. And my it's my brother-in-law and he really turns his feet out and swings his arm a certain way. And when the little boy started to walk, he he walked exactly the same way. And so it was nothing genetic, right? Because he was adopted. It was just all mimicry. It was all what he saw and what he was used to. And it's so funny that, you know, that was just passed on just by a monkey see, monkey do sort of a thing. Well, it's I mean, that's that's how that is a big transition of information between animals is just through observation. And I have I have had more than five people. I don't know if it's enough for two hands, more than a handful of people (laughs) who have have had like really strange things like the one that sticks out of my mind is my father only has one leg and created a coping mechanism of moving. Right. So it's not anything that you would spontaneously come to when you had two legs. It was like this anomaly. It was an accident wow. that happened after birth. Mm-hmm. I mean, as an adult, after the, you know, so it, it wasn't anything that could have been passed on genetically. Mm-hmm. And she developed his, his whatever he, the thing, the movement that he did for coping was what she did as a small child. She just walked like him. She just walked like her dad. And we have I have another friend here who just got out of a surgery and had a particular walk. And that child who walked differently before started walking like his dad after the surgery. Wow. You know, and it, it's well, just and we do it, that as adults too. You totally get it too. Because, it's, yeah, it's because like, it's Jeff, like an accident. My husband is deaf in his right ear, and so I have always walked on his left side so that he can hear me talk. Yeah. Because I think he wants to. And I cannot walk. I don't even know if you notice this when we were together, but I keep everybody on my right side because I think otherwise they can't hear me. Like I've just adapted mm. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an adaptation like anything else that you probably didn't think of, but at the same time you see it, you do recognize when people walk or I, I can spot mother daughter combos or father son combos. I'm like, even if they don't look exactly alike and I, from far away, I was like, that's a father-son. That's a mother-daughter. And they've got this exact, it's just an accent, right? You just, you just, mm-hmm. you just add these little trills. It's, it's, it's the accent with your gait is just the accent with which you walk. And so much of it is just Ooh, that was- how you observe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that was a good quote. Your gait is the accent with which you walk. I mean, that's... That's in one of the books. I made it it? up a long time ago, yeah. How can that be? I've poured over those bad books. Let's make a meme. Let's make a meme for that. Okay. I'm on that right now. I'll be right back. Okay. Here's a question from Heidi. This is so curious to know why you picked this and and what your answer is. Is this the farmer one? No. Okay. No, that's in there. Okay. This is... 
Katie, what are your thoughts about menstrual cups and how they may influence pelvic floors? I love them for the convenience and environmental factors, but they seem a bit suctiony. I yeah, I did that because I get that question a lot. Mm. So uh, not having used one, not being really an, an, an internal user of anything. All I can say is, you know, so I, I've asked a few people like, well, how do you put it in? They're like, oh, well, you, you know, you get it up there. And yes, and that suction is a big thing. So, so I would say like, how is it affecting it? I don't know what the accumulation of, of effects would be, but in the moment you, you basically have a, wherever the ring of it is. So you imagine a tube and then you have a, a disc, like a rubber disc, right? It's a cup, but it's, it essentially is creating a circle of pressure mm-hmm. after it's being inserted, right? So then you're going to have pressure in that spot on those tissues. I, mean, I was just trying to think of like, what are the loads of, right. a, of a cup? You've got that ring of pressure, and then you've got an element as you're moving around of, I guess, a slight suction, if you will, which then would be displaced from the organ as the organ's being sucked potentially would be transmitted to the ligaments that are supporting those structures. Okay. So th- that would be what What are the uh, mechanical effects? And then what's the accumulation of those effects? Don't know yet. They're new. Uh, yeah. Ag- again, this is something that hasn't been really looked at. I mean, those have been around for a long time. I remember using one 25 years ago, but I, like you said, it's the breast implant thing. There just hasn't really been a lot out there yet on it. Yeah. And that's why I'm not really... A user, like, I don't really have any strong opinions one way or the other. But in general, I don't do things that no one has really considered. <laughs> what are the costs? I mean, like that, like that's. I would always be like, well, what are the costs or benefits? And if like no one really knows, and I'm like, oh, I'll find another way or whatever. So yeah. Yes. Where is that farmer one? I thought you picked that out. There was a farmer one. I know. I liked it. You want to see if I can find it? Yeah. Where is she? This would be good. We should leave it. Safe. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. Okay. Got it here. Okay. I am a, this is from Heather. And Heather says, I am a farmer and a massage therapist. Now, I've always had jobs standing, moving, working physically with my hands and body. And I also trained in capoeira. Oh, that's cool. For two and 12 years. That must be two and a half years until recently my body was... <laughs> that's like, that, that's like know, a, that's an old-fashioned old Four yes. and 20 years ago. For a two, fortnight. Two and 12 years ago, <laughs> I did capoeira. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Heather, okay. sorry. <laughs> She's like, this was 100 years ago when I yes. did this. <laughs> she says her body was telling her to stop, and she says, I'm 40. It wasn't telling me to stop capoeira, per se, but my shoulders were so tight I was having trouble sleeping. However, I did do yoga every day to stretch, but... I think all the repetitive, it's almost like she's answering her own question. I think all the repetitive movement with farming and massage and poor shoe choice while walking all day at the farm did me in. I now have pelvic organ prolapse. I'm quite fit and surprised that I have this. I found you and da, 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 And she says, okay, she has two questions out of this. So here's the first one. I'm having a lot of pressure in my head now that I am aligning because she's doing your program. What could this be? I have no idea. I would need, I, in order to really answer that question, I would probably have to see how you looked before and how you looked now, really to see you in person, how you moved then and how you moved now. Mm. Um, I don't even know what pressure in your head, like headaches, foggy head, 
So I don't know. I don't know on that one. Sorry, okay. I wish I could That's offer okay. more. That's you're not zombie. It's okay. What and is zombie? Zombie's the 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 head in the box that Pee Wee Herman used to. Oh, Mecca, kids Mecca, high, Mecca, kids would send help. questions in, and Zombie yeah. just knew automatically what was going on. I'm like, wow, Zombie's really smart. Is that you? <laughs> no. I'm calling. Can someone please I'm turn your phone you. off over there? Could so- <laughs> yeah, turn that down over there. Thanks. Okay, what was the other question? <laughs> Second question is, it is difficult to work on a farm and avoid bending, squatting, leaning over. Is this bad for my healing prolapse? This is why I kept this question in. Because, okay, thank you. Because the fact of the matter is, is yes. And this is, in Move Your DNA, this is why I'm like trying to flesh it out. Really, movement functions in the same way that pharmaceuticals do. There's a dosage, right, where something becomes too much or too little. So when you take, if you already have a weak body, which is an indicated by a prolapsing organ, right? So I know she's fit in many other ways, but fit and and strength of all of the parts aren't, like fitness doesn't imply that you have necessarily a well-functioning structure as much as you have one that performs fitness tests well. So two separate mm. categories. So you have a body that's not strong enough to support your organs at this time and or, read diastasis recti, habits that are driving out your organs. You're bearing down on your organs more than your pelvic floor can withstand. And you can't just keep making your pelvic floor stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It doesn't work that way. There's just a, there's a peak amount of resistance it can offer. And if you overcome that, because maybe your intra-abdominal force, which can be translated to a pelvic force, gets so high that there's no natural way to resist it. So you get this downward motion. When you work on a farm, and and the reason I picked this again was because there was an article that came out a while ago in many countries that we would perceive, I say, they're rural, you know, they're not necessarily urban. There are populations of people where squatting is still in their culture. So they are not chair dwellers as we are. They get a high volume of squatting, but their total movement is still not what I would consider to be natural. So high amounts of labor of a repetitive nature, meaning you're kind of specialized, like farming is a, is a specialized set of movements, mm-hmm. right? There's been a lot of farmers for a long time, and they're not as strong despite their high level act of activity. They're not as strong. Their bones weren't as dense. Um, their bones weren't as robust for, you know, lots of movement as hunter-gatherer populations at that same time, which is why I'm always interested, like, People will say, well, farming is a lot of labor. It's like, yeah, but it's specialized movement. It's a very narrow range, high volume specialized movement. And so that is not a replacement for natural movement, which is much more generalist in nature. Mm -hmm. You're doing lots of different things. So when you're farming, you're usually working a particular set of crops because maybe farming is your business. It's all in one place. You still don't have large amounts of movement from place to place you're still maybe not walking as much so so yeah bending over squatting and leaning if you are bearing down while you do it can be can be a prolapse maker you know or can can offset some of the correctives you're doing so I don't always have a practical solution for this I mean this is your job and it's the way you need to get food but I would revisit 
diastasis recti and also move your DNA to really practice to go, okay, what is my range of motions of a squat without bearing down? And so maybe prioritize that and then try to figure out how to break up some of the repetitions, maybe the large volumes of squat over a particular day. Like if you're farming with multiple people, maybe going, um, you know, and we have friends who are farmers and there's just a lot of work that needs to be done constantly with farming, but maybe you don't just take on a single task for the entire day. So instead of like for six hours or four hours, I'm just going to mow. And this person over here is like for six hours, I'm just going to weed that maybe you go, you know what, after every hour, let's swap. So swap, swap jobs. That's a good idea. You know, if you do have that benefit or you know sometimes like I always try to think outside of the box sometimes it's like well maybe there's a farmer of another crop or someone who like me would like I would love to get away from doing this other task maybe for an hour and get some movement and I'd be happy to do some physical labor so you can swap out maybe someone else doing your physical labor for something that's not as intense for your pelvic floor right now so maybe think outside your farm think outside the current way you're executing (laughs) your life really good answer Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, this next one, I am curious why you chose it. I love this subject. This is from Julie. This is kind of long. I work with kids and I notice that when kids are playing on the floor, they tend to use a similar base posture of one leg tucked under their butt and the other folded up with the foot on the ground, kind of like a half squat. This enables them to pivot in different directions, reach, get up and down with ease. I notice that it is habitual as an adult to stand while kids play, which keeps me out of the world of their play. So when I mirrored their postures, I was suddenly in the activity without actually doing the activity or telling them what to do. I could hear what the kids were saying about their creations and was able to talk with them. The preschool teacher commented sadly, I can't do that anymore due to my knees. I guess I always thought the reason adults stood and talked to each other was that our conversation was more interesting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> now I, I, which I've <laughs> never found once ever standing around. I'm always with like, a group can I play with you guys? <laughs> I'm always Has anyone stood kids. around with a group of adults at a park oh. and going, this is interesting conversation yes. that oh, I'll stand up and gosh. continue to have? She says, now I see the whole thing so differently. I wonder yeah. at what age people are losing the ability to move around on the floor. What are you noticing? I love this. But why did you pick this? Well, I just picked it because it's just such a great illustration. I mean... This is the thing, right? Mm -hmm. This is the squat is not only nourishing for your knees and your hips. Not being able to squat is not only a physiological issue. It doesn't only have physiological consequences. It is a cast on other experiences. Wow. You know, if you can, like how many, like, I, I, I posted on this on my Instagram and I adapted this comment to a much Larger essay for Movement Matters. This book is going to be so amazing, by I the way. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. But it's, you know, when I was going through the desert, there's a ton of people hiking, you know, on their tr- walk into the desert. And I've got little kids, you know. And so they're stopping every two minutes. Two minutes. They're t- If they walk for two continuous minutes, I would consider it a victory. They're stopping every 15 seconds, really, to, like, poke at something on the ground. And I was just like, I'm just going to get down there because I think – we perceive that we're choosing not to go down and not seeing it as you don't have the ability to do it. Mm. And so you, you don't do it till doing it as a discomfort. And then, then you actually do lose the ability to do it. But for a long 
part, it's just, it's outside for a long period of time. It's just outside of your, your literal comfort zone, but also you, it's just not anything that anyone else does. It's weird. The adults stand, the kids sit, the men go over there, the women go over there. You know, like there's just this kind of a separation sometimes. I squatted down with my kids and I saw these teeny tiny purple succulents that I could not even see from standing. And when I got down, it was just like, it was just this revelation. It's like, there's a whole different world that you can become aware of sounds like you could hear ants walking all over Mm. stuff, but you can't hear it from standing up so high. And, and when does it go away? I mean, we are effectively, we are training it out of our children at the earliest point. I mean, there's not even a lot of ground time in classrooms anymore. So basically the time you, you, everyone, I think you use the time the kids go to school is when these kind of sitting habits, I think probably going to school used to be when sitting habits were really ingrained because everyone lived sort of in a semi rural, you still had to walk from point A to point B, you know, your kids were still running around all day. There was no computers, but now I think it's as early as one. I mean, now we have, now we strap children down. We actually disable children mobility wise for their safety. So if you are now driving around because you have to get a bunch of stuff done and you have a child, you have no other choice but to cast your children for their safety. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, and then there's furniture around. I mean, we're just, it just, I mean, from the moment you're born, I would say from the moment you're born, you, you are effectively removing the movement from their lives. Well, and, and each, systematically, yeah, each new level, it's like a video game and each new level that you enter as you get older and move into, you know, adulthood, like you start driving and then you're just not noticing things as much as you would if you were walking through a neighborhood, right? Sure. Or riding sure. your bike or on your scooter. It's just as things change, you know, as we move up these levels, we, we lose less and less. So it's kind of a, there's no real cutoff point. We keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to read that book. I can't wait to finish writing. <laughs> oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. <laughs> How about one more question? Because seriously, okay. I'm so far behind. I have like edits coming out my ears. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And- well, this one I, I like. Do it. You should be able to answer it pretty uh, concisely. This, yeah. is from, this is from Jill. Okay. We get these questions a lot. Thank you, Jill. She says, I'm wondering what would you would recommend when injury or illness keep us from moving. I'm having some foot pain, possibly plantar fasciitis, and walking definitely is exacerbating the problem, so I'm not going for walks right now, and it's driving me crazy. I don't know how to get enough movement in my day without irritating my foot. I am doing correctives, floor sitting, etc., but even standing is a little painful, and I'm worried foot mobility exercises will irritate the problem. I can't even imagine how frustrated I'd be with a broken leg or sprained ankle, but what can a person do who can't walk much due to temporary injury? As much as you can. I mean, so you're doing correctives, but I imagine that you've got these maybe hours of periods of time, maybe where you had set aside for just walking. So just, just get on the floor and just roll around and crawl around. And I I just, I just think that, I think that you can always, even even when you're certain areas of you are need to be immobilized for whatever reason, that 
that does not say that you can't remove all the other parts. Like you have so many parts. So just quadruple your correctives. And I'm not even talking about the correctives for your foot, but just, mm. you know, if I, I was trying to think like if I had a broken leg, I would just be doing floor work for probably two to three hours a day because, and I would have the time there. I think sometimes you're like, well, I don't have the time to do that many correctives. Like, well, you were walking before you were, right. you had bouts of time that set aside. So you just need to parlay those into make and make it fun. You know, like get I mean, at this point, at this point, just get a floor workout routine. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about it being like at the, at the, at the most fundamental level, any movement is more nutritious than none. Right. So right. get, go to the library and rent a, a floor workout video. You're going to have fun. You are going to feel accomplished and moved. So just move however you can. And if you really like this, well, I like, you know, exercise workout stuff, then just go, go get a, or download floor work and just fill it in so that you're doing it to exhaustion, pick harder things, you know, that does, that don't aggravate your injury. And then, and then your anxiety level will come down. You're like, Oh, okay. I moved. I feel better. So Mm -hmm. don't worry that you're not moving the right way. The right way is that you get moving period. And then you can refine it once that's more of an, an option for you. Amen. Final answer. And with that, we should get moving. Yes. Got to go. Got to go. Cool. Well, that that was it. That was me. You know, and every once in a while, who knows the next year we might sneak in a mailbag, but we'll do some mailbags every now and then. Yeah. For now you've, you've got the answers of where to look and I'll put tons and tons of stuff in the links of the show notes. All right. Well, everyone, thanks, Danny. Thank Thank you. you for asking questions. Always ask questions, 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 but most importantly, Go check out the resources that are there. Mm -hmm. They are abundant. They are abundant. For more information, books, online classes, you can find me at Nutritious Movement or any of my social media is probably an even better place these days. Yes, your Instagram feed is really educational. That's the only thing thing I'm doing right now. I'm only doing Instagram. I've taken a break from like everything else. Mm. But, But the blog on nutritiousmovement.com which so don't search the site search the blog yes you know what just you it's back to school time pretty soon it's back to school just let yourself read one or go get alignment matters if you haven't yet and read that from the beginning if you don't like to read online and then you'll be way more informed about some of these stuff some of these issues mm-hmm. and then you can find danny what are you doing these days you're at a you're at a movyourbodybetter.com <laughs> but where are you Still really s- where are you really where am I where really? Where you spend most of your Just time? Turn- where, where can I find the most recent things that you put out? Well, I took, uh, I'm kind of off of the Facebook too. So right. I'm off of everything right now. I'm just kind of writing privately. No one can find me. We're going to come to your house. Ghost. All right. We're going to go to Danny's come to my house. house. <laughs> All right. I'm a really good cook. Come on over, everybody. All right. We're, we're there. All See right. you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 